Young. You are tuned in to Patrick Young and the Rowdies with your host, the one and only Gator Gray Patrick Young again. I am currently stationed all the way across the Atlantic Ocean in Athens, Greece, here to give you all things Florida basketball and more. Again, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for joining. This journey has been so fun so far. We've had Billy Donovan. We've had Mike White on the show. I'm so excited for our guests uh, on this episode here. But before you do anything, please like and subscribe, rate, review, follow our, this podcast, let everyone know. Uh, it helps us out so dearly, me and the people at the Field of 68 Media Network. On this upcoming episode here with Scotty Wilbekin or Scotty Will Buckets, whatever you like to call him, we get into family, we get into life overseas, we get into some hurdles that he's faced out, he's grown as a player, and so much more. Again, here's the show. Thank you for joining. Stay tuned. What's going on, Rowdies? I'm so excited for this next guest. He is a Gainesville native. Uh, he attended the University of Florida from 2010 to 14, my teammate. Came in at the right young, young age of 17 years old, where he accumulated 120 wins, three SEC championships, an SEC tournament championship, three Elite Eights, and a Final Four. He was named the 2014 SEC Player of the Year. He has played overseas professionally thus far. He's been in Australia, Greece, Turkey, and currently living in Tel Aviv, Israel. In 2017, he, he won a Euro Cup Finals. He was an MVP and a Finals MVP. Scotty Wilbekin, thank you for being with us today. How are you doing, my man? I'm doing good. It's uh, great to be here on the one and only Patrick Young podcast. <laughs> yeah, and it's, uh, it's really cool being part of this and um, getting opportunity to kept connect with all my former teammates and, and especially a guy like you that's that's uh, having a really great career. And, uh, you know, people are interested. Gator Nation wants to know where you are, what's going on with you. Uh, yeah, tell, tell us. Fill us in, man. Give us a little summary. Uh, well, yeah, I, since uh, we're talking to Gator Nation, I guess I should say that since I left Gator Nation, I have a beautiful wife now. That's, that's probably the biggest news. Uh, she's over there. Uh, yeah, she doesn't want to. She doesn't want me to be talking about her, but yeah. So I'm well, I have questions about about your marriage. So okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll let you get to that then. But yeah, I'm good. Uh, I'm uh, this is I'm on my third third team now, third fourth team. Uh, overseas started out in Australia, moved to Greece. Uh, for short stint, and then uh, I was in Turkey for three three years, and now this is my third year in Tel Aviv. So I've traveled quite a bit since my days in Gainesville. <laughs> so so um, being currently in Tel Aviv, Israel, obviously I, I was there with you for a little bit of the beginning since August. Uh, we were in a lockdown around the same time, like a, a serious lockdown. Like, uh, you know, they said you can't you can't leave your house for about 500 meters, which is about you know a third of a mile. Uh, what did you do? How did you handle the lockdown uh, during that time? Uh, it was a lot of a lot of reading, a lot of video games, and a lot of Netflix. That was pretty much it. Reading that's the new one. Yes, I uh, recently recently picked up 
reading in the last uh, year and a half, two years? You know, I, I used I to read it, man. What is it? when I was in high school. I guess I just stopped in college for some reason. <laughs> I mean, you, you got a lot going on in college and plus being in school. Um, but what are some titles that you've, uh, you've read recently that you would uh, have been really impactful for you? Uh, probably the most interesting one is the one that I'm reading right now. Uh, it's called The Unseen Realm. Uh, Unseen Realm. Yeah. This probably isn't the podcast to get into what all this about, but uh, it's uh, it really interesting. Uh, yeah. And of course, the Bible is always in there. So I love that, man. I love that. Yeah. Um, I've gotten a chance when I was in Israel during the lockdown, man. I, I, I fortunately came across this awesome book called Atomic Habits. Um, and it really just helped me to understand that. Uh, the goal, the way that I've been looking at goals, um, I haven't put, been putting an identity with those goals. And when you, when you make identity-based goals, it helps you to um, change your perspective. And instead of like saying, I want to lose 20 pounds and like, um, you know, you have the goal, you reach the goal, you reach the finish line. And then it's like, then what? It's like, I'm going to be a healthier person or I'm going to be, like I, I would write down, uh, like I'm responsible, I'm a reader, just, just whatever it was that I wanted to get better at and start telling myself I was those things. And then I would align my, uh, my habits with those things and that it really isn't um, about being super, super uh, self, having so much self-discipline. It's more so about just like aligning your life in a way that um, it's easier to stay on top of your habits. But with, with so much free time, bro, like I, I have my Nintendo Switch I spent so much time on thing at first, but I ain't gonna lie. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the easy thing to do. That's, yeah. yeah. I actually, uh, me and uh, Maria, my wife, uh, just watched uh, a sermon today by okay. Pastor Craig Her Herschel, I think. Gro Groschel? I don't know how to pronounce his last name, but basically he was uh, talking about the book that you just described habits yeah. and you know habits change, trying to change your habits instead of just setting goals your habits exactly you know that's how you get to what your goals are exactly pretty pretty uh interesting coincidence well let's let's uh, transition scotty let's get into um you being at you know, 17 years old uh Wow, crazy! That's been ten years. Ten years ago. Uh, first off, tell us about your recruiting process. And you know, you went to the Rock High School in Gainesville. Um, what was it like when you were first getting recruited? And was Florida actually a dream school for you? I mean, I would think so. Growing up there in the championships and, and whatnot. Tell us about that process. Yeah. Well, uh, growing up, like younger younger uh, days when I was, you know, before high school, Florida was definitely a dream school. I saw all the teams, probably just like you, you know, watching Florida play, uh, Justin Hamilton, Teddy DuPay, Mike Miller, all those guys. And then the famous, you know, 06, 07 teams. Uh, I watched all of them. And uh, so definitely wanted to go to Florida, but I kind of, set my goals a little lower 
the older I got and the more I played against uh, better talent, you know, not just in Gainesville. Uh, so I kind of forgot about that a little bit. I was trying to be more realistic and think, okay, I, I might not be able to go to a school as good as Florida. Well, what are some other options? Uh, so I guess recruitment, it didn't really feel like recruitment because I mean, I don't even know if it was just going up to play pickup. Like, is that, is that recruiting? I, I don't know. Would you say it is? Well, bro, they use all types of tricks of the trade to get an, an extra look at a player. So they're, they're always actively looking, you know, whatever, whatever they can do to get around the rules that or that's in line with the rules. Uh, they're yeah. definitely going to use that as a tool. And, I mean, you ended up at Florida, so it's no coincidence. I mean, yeah. they, were, they were doing stuff that I didn't even know about, I guess. But, yeah, so there wasn't really any recruiting. It kind of was just, was just that. And, I mean, sometimes Hertz came to a couple of my games or, or one of my high school games, but I just assumed that he was there watching we were playing Florida Air. So Will, we were playing Will's team, and I just assumed that he was watching Will, and I was like, "Oh yeah, Will, yeah, he's a good player." Uh, but it turns out maybe maybe he was looking at me too, and uh, so the recruit the recruiting started at least for me in my eyes when Rob Lanier called my dad and asked him, "Do you think Scotty could play here next year?" I think I don't know exactly how it went, but that was the gist of it. And my dad thought he was joking, <laughs> and and so he didn't even yeah, say anything to me. That you were a junior in high school at this time, right? Yeah, yeah, I was a junior, and you know, I, I wasn't. I was looking at some schools, but I hadn't even gone on any official visits, so it really wasn't in my head that any possibility of me, me being in college the next year. Uh, so my dad kind of didn't really think anything of it. He didn't even tell me. And then there was a second call and he was kind of more serious in, in the second call. and was like, Hey, we're, we're kind of serious about this. Like if it can, Scotty is like, is this possibility? Would he even want to? And so that's when he asked me and I thought he was playing when he first told me because it just, it just came out of nowhere to me. And he was like, you know, it's a, it's a big decision, you know, but they 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 want you. Like, this is an option for you. And so he was like, just just think about it tonight, uh, and we can talk about it tomorrow. And I couldn't sleep the whole night, and I was just like thinking, and I was just like trying to, you know, trying to make it a decision, even though right. I knew it in my head. As soon as I thought about it, it wouldn't be a decision. And so I was just thinking, like, should I go? Oh, I got to miss my senior season. And after about 10, 15 minutes, I was like, what am I even thinking about? I'm, this, is, this is a dream come true. I'm, I'm going to Florida. So from that, that the next day, we kind of, it was just making preparations, finishing the school I needed to, to be able to graduate early. Yeah, how was that even uh, possible that um... – yeah, you were able to, to, to make it happen so fast that you were able to forego your senior year and, and come in early as a 17-year-old. Uh, it was, uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure it was the AP classes that I was in at The Rock. Uh, so luckily, uh, I mean, I was in a couple AP classes and 
I, all I needed was one English credit. So I took that kind of in between the end of the school year and summer before summer A started. That's one thing I always have admired about you, brother. When you, when you set your mind on something, you make it happen. You know, when you are sure that, that it is the, the, the goal, the thing that you want to accomplish, whatever it may be, you work your butt off towards that thing. So uh, that's awesome. I'm so glad I got, I've got a chance to, to do that through these past few years. So, um, again, uh, you came on here with Scotty Wilbekin, and uh, he got to the University of Florida at 17 years old. Scotty, what were some of the challenges you faced, or what was it like just transitioning from, uh, you know, your parents weren't far away because you're, you know, you're from Gainesville, but still getting a chance to live on your own for the first time and be on this huge college campus where you can have a lot more freedom and you're more likely responsible for yourself. What was that like transitioning as a 17 year old? Um, it was uh, interesting. I was uh, learning as I go. <laughs> and the older, the older that I get, the more I realize that I was just really, you know, just, just trying to fit in with the older guys. And even, even you, Casey and Will, you know, like I just, you know, I just was trying to, you know, be be one of the guys, be be a part of, you know, stuff that I thought the older guys, you know, were doing. But it was great. Y'all always made me feel like a brother. And we were kind of like, it, was, it started as the five, the five, I don't know, musketeers or two more than three, but. I don't know what we called ourselves. Something with five. <laughs> we were the fab five, and then we became the fantastic four. Uh, a little ways into it, but we were always, we were always close. So that was, I, I really enjoyed that. And I think, I think that really helped me having, uh, you know, cause I was so young, bro. There was so much that I didn't know back then. And having you guys basically as like brothers was great for me. I mean, it really, I really needed that. It, it's, it's so crazy, man. When you think about, uh, sports uh, from a standpoint of when you go from high school to when you're, you're going to a college, just, just think about it. You know, you're, you're meeting up with 14 other guys for the most part that you don't know you have, and you, you have to create uh, a new life for your, your, your identity. You don't exactly know who you are yet. Uh, this is the age where everyone's trying to figure themselves out and fit in. And do I like this? Do I want to do that? And fortunately we have that shared bond of wanting a basketball and I think this world would be such a better place if everyone had a chance to play team sports because it really doesn't matter where you come from. Uh, when you have that, that shared common goal of just wanting to get better, become your best, learning what it means to sacrifice, to uh, do your job at a level to help the whole team, like all those things help, form, help us to be, become better men and just really understand the game so much better. Like I remember like our, our senior year, man, our, our defense – was so crazy it, it was like you and me in the pick and roll defense no one like we could stop anybody like, I, had so much confidence. I had so much confidence that it didn't matter who was in front of us that when we were pushing we were icing which uh if people don't know is when we were forcing uh the pick and roll to stay on on the wings on the sides uh, middle, middle pick and roll, we're mostly going to push guys to their weaker hands, which is most guys are not left-handed, so we're pushing to the left. 
And the only weakness I, you can say that that kind of defense would have is if there is a pick and pop four man or five man, which there's, there's not that many, but we just had such great help and rotations that knew each other so well and had that, that brotherly pride that I don't want to let Scotty down. I don't want to let Will down, Frazier or Casey, that we just were so determined and so in tune, man. It's like, we'll, I don't know if we'll ever get a chance to experience basketball at that level of tightness again. <laughs> but it was yeah. But talk, talking about uh, not letting, uh, not, not wanting to let each other down, uh, that reminded me in our senior year, I can't remember who we were playing, but there was like, you know, we had a lot of close games. Uh, and there was there was some type of possession. It was crunch time, and there was a ball on the floor, loose ball, and I didn't dive for it. I don't know if you remember this. I didn't dive for it, and I should have dived for it. And Will got on to me after the game, and he was like, Scotty, come on, man. Like, you got to dive for that. Like, I, I, just straight up. Like, he, was, he wasn't trying to be nice or anything. He was just like, hey, like, bottom line, you, you got to dive for that. And then in the SEC championship, it was the last possession. We needed to stop against Kentucky. And then the ball was on the ground. And I was like, I remember Will saying that. I was like, I got to die for this one. <laughs> Bro, I was testing so much when that ball was on the ground. Scotty, get on the floor. <laughs> yeah. I was uh, so badly, man. That was insane. Every every time You're, I see that highlight, I think of Will. Will, you need it done. Do you remember? Uh, this is one of my most embarrassing moments. It was in that SEC tournament, um, and we were playing Tennessee, and it was like in the last six minutes of the game, um, and we had a. It was a timeout. I think we were we were down by one or two. It was a real tight game. Uh, we're in we're in Atlanta. We're in the the Superdome, and uh, right before that we did, I did some stuff with the media where I like sang a song to them on, uh, like with Gator Vision. And then they put it, do you remember they put it on the screen of me singing oh, at the SEC tournament? Time out? <laughs> I think Bro, I that was the most embarrassing thing I've ever experienced in my life. <laughs> just like, I don't know, 30, yeah. 35,000 people just locked into this tight game and all of a sudden, Big Pat Young just pops on the screen singing uh, Chicken Fried by Zach Brown Band. <laughs> like, bro, it was so embarrassing. I, Coach Donovan didn't know what to say. Y'all y'all just started busting out laughing. I'm like, I did not want to be here right now. Like, really, they could have played this in the first half. They could have played this in any other game, any other moment. Yeah. <laughs> Thank God we won because that would have been so It's It's tough when they're – when they, they if they play anything of you during a timeout, like it's kind of like embarrassing. Like I've I've had Maccabi's pl play stuff sometimes, and I'm just like, why are they doing this? I'm just trying to focus and and try to win a game. Why are they doing this to me? <laughs> You're the man over there. That's why, bro. They want they want everyone to love you. I mean, everyone loves you anyway, but even more. Yeah, and I I love them too. So um, what advice, what advice looking back at your 17-year-old self uh, would you give yourself today? Would I give my, my freshman self? 
what advice? Like right before, like your your the day before you start your first your your first day on campus, and you know, future you ten years from now, or you know, you get an opportunity to say, Scotty, young Scotty, I want to tell you these three or four things that I think you should really hold on to that are going to carry you through these four uh, years or half a year. Well, if there's one one thing that I wish I could have known that I would need to work on is uh, my left hand. Uh, my dad always told me that I had to work on my left hand, but I didn't buy into it enough and I didn't work on it enough. And like the last three years, I've made a conscious effort to work on that in the summers. And now I can shoot like a left-handed floater and it's just it's so beneficial to my game and how the defense plays because at this level there's just there's so much more scouting than in college so if you have a weak left hand like like I've had I mean it's still not great but it's getting better they always force me left and so now just working on it a little bit it gives me a little bit it's it's a little bit less easy for them to box me into a corner let's say so I, I would tell myself that yeah I, w- I would imagine that uh that yeah that has to be so difficult because I know in the Israeli league you play this year is a little bit different because of COVID but normally you play a team multiple times four or five times in the same season so you play a, yeah. the same team that know your game well enough to, to try and limit you to doing what you do well and that's one thing that I love about Coach Theropolis was that when I was playing with him in Olympiacos, talk about the motorcycle, with uh, Olympiacos, he, he by far to me was the best defensive mind in Europe that I've, I've, I've ever had uh, because he understood so well that at this top level in Europe, uh, you have teams like, you know, you guys, Barcelona, uh, Cheska, uh, when Milos Teodosis was there, um, that if you let them do what they want offensively, they're going to put 90-plus on you a night. So his, his yeah. mentality, and, and I'm sure you can attest to it, is punch them in the face, is don't let them get anything easy, break the screens, one-arm distance. <laughs> one-arm distance is face. He's up say. on that a little and, bit. Um, I just really – he's eased up on one-arm distance. <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. <laughs> they used to joke and say that he – when it, he like everything he did was one arm distance, even the way that he would like sit down from his plate and eat his food, he was one arm <laughs> distance from his plate. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. But um, let's transition a little bit here again with Scotty Wilkin. Okay, Scotty, we all know um, it's in the past now, and obviously you've grown from it. Uh, but you you faced like a few hiccups, some adversity that you faced in college. I remember. Um, right before the season started going into our senior year, um, you ended up getting into a little bit of trouble and had to got, got face the suspension um, after um, speaking with Coach Donovan. What was going – a few things I want to get into with that. You know, first off, what were the, your initial um, thoughts and the way that you, you handled that emotionally, and how did that help you become better for that season uh, better as a man, better for your future now, and yeah, pretty much get into those things. Uh, well, my first thoughts were, I guess it kind of goes back to the brotherhood that we kind of established ever since our freshman year, 
And I was like, it doesn't matter what I have to do. I don't want to leave these guys. And I, I don't want to, you know, go join another team or, you know, you know, miss out on a senior senior year with my best friends. Yeah. And uh, so that, that was mainly, mainly what I was thinking. Uh, as far as how it, how it helped me, I would say that it just, it gave me perspective on the important things in life and made me really grateful for the opportunity to play basketball and the opportunity to play at a school like Florida for a coach like Coach Donovan and have teammates like you, uh, Will, Casey, and all the other guys, the younger guys. Yes, it's definitely a weird thing uh, when you go through something like that, that, you know, you, you can look back from it now and say, you know, I did learn a lot and grew a lot from it. What I wanted to happen exactly the same way again, ah, but, you know, if it didn't happen, would I be the man that I am now? Would I be, would I uh, be, would I have been able to have this newfound level of gratitude and just uh, appreciate the things around me, you know, because, uh, you know, I look at the, the injuries that I faced and just um, the adversity and, and, and how I had such a bad attitude and, and dealing with adversity when, when we were younger. And because Coach Donovan did such a great job of pushing me and, and not accepting me to be at that level and just to be, uh, uh, you know, a disturbance, to be uncoachable and just not handle adversity, he pushed me. Um, he helped me when I faced real life adversity. I told him, I said, Coach, I, I don't think without you pushing me and holding me accountable in basketball and as a man, I don't think I could have been able to would have been able to handle the the things that I faced in my life with injuries and being in the hospital and and mm -hmm. have the mental fortitude to continue to to push forward. And not only that, man, I mean, just the things that we did our senior year with uh, how how close we got when he, he started um, having Dwayne, which a sports psychologist to get a chance to help us to connect to each other on a deeper level. I realized as well that uh, in life, it's not always about the next play. It, it, it's, it's being able to bring other people around you that can help support you that you can be vulnerable with because, you know, I don't know if you knew, didn't know this, not better. The veterans, the number for veterans that commit suicide every day in America is 22 because they've been taught next play their whole life and never get a chance to process what they go through. So, uh, you know, we're not made to do these things alone. So I'm sure your family and, and us, we, we did, you know, always supported you and continue, are going to continue to support you because everyone makes mistakes anyways. But I'm just so proud of you, bro, and, and where you are and how you've done such a great job, man, just uh, with your career and consistency. I know you're still a big kid, <laughs> a big, but you're a big married kid now. Um, yes, but the next question for you is from our, our favorite um, super fan, Jerome Millman. Uh, specifically for you, Scotty, he said, in the Final Four, or the game uh -oh. to go to the Final Four against Dayton, there was a moment when Dayton was going on a run against us. Uh, you were bringing the ball up the floor, and you looked at the bench and maybe the fans or something like this. I don't remember the exact moment. And you kind of told everybody to calm down. And you, you got us all to calm to calm down, calm our nerves, and we went on to, to win the game. And do you remember this moment? I kind of feel like I did that a lot. 
So I'm not really, you know, like, come on, we good, we good, we good. Yeah. I, I still do yeah. that <laughs> almost every game. But uh, I, I remember a few things from Dayton. But mostly uh, the, the main thing I remember from Dayton is the shop at halftime. I don't, I don't know if I remember that specific uh, that specific instance, but yeah, that was that was. I mean, you know, that was how we did it. It was it a was memorable year. I mean, you, everyone was calling you Scotty Willbuckets because, uh, yeah, you were killing <laughs> that, that that last year. So it'd be hard. There's a lot of really good memories. Um, so let's talk about Europe and where you are now. Uh, Something that's interesting about Scotty Wilbekin, he has a Turkish passport. Yes, I do. Tell us about I that. Speak, you I speak a little me. Turkish, too. You speak a little Turkish as well. Give us, give us a little game, man. Give us a little song. Merhaba. Uh, I'm getting a little rusty. Each year that goes by, I'm a little rusty. But, uh, you know, I, I always could order. Order some food, tabuk shish, you know, little tooth on the side, you know, a little something, something. Is, is kinder is my favorite dish by far. Favorite kinder? Is it, it, kinder, the one that's uh, the, the whole plate with the meat on, on top of it and they pour, oh, okay. they pour like that joint. Yeah. Um, I'm afraid to so how, did, <laughs> how did that work out for you to get? Uh, a Turkish passport, and what was it like playing for the na Turkish national team? Uh, yeah, it was it was pretty easy to get the passport. Um, I, I had been there for three years before I got it, and you know I, I knew all the players in Turkey. I knew, I mean, the Turkish players, all the refs, like it felt like home. Honestly, you know, three years—that's almost like. Uh, a college career so I mean I, I felt at home there and when they told there were there was like rumblings the whole third year that maybe oh Scotty will be the next uh nationalized player for the national team and I was like yeah that'll be cool you know play play in the Olympics maybe world championships so I, I was hype about it and then when it finally finally happened I was like okay cool and then then uh playing for them was interesting first off because it, it was the first time that I was playing for a team that I was the only American so and, and that that was pretty weird to get used to at first because I had to get a translator because I don't speak Turkish that well I, <laughs> just a little bit right uh so I had a translator because the coach would speak Turkish um so that was weird but playing in like national national team games was a, a pretty cool experience and it's different than anything I had experienced before. Different than college, different than NBA preseason, different than uh, EuroLeague. And so it, it was cool. And the last, the world championships in China, the last time I was playing for them, we got to play against USA. So that was... I, I'm gonna tell my kids about that, you know. Yeah. One like years from now, I'm gonna tell them about how I had 12 points against the USA. Bro, I remember watching the game. You guys were so close to having that. It was, it was a free throw away. 
Yeah, we, we really we really should have won. We should have won. We yeah. had it. We had that game. Uh, I mean, I'm hopefully, uh, when's the next opportunity for, for a national team play? Uh, yeah, I, I've, hung, I've hung that that jersey up. I've retired okay. from national team play. Okay. Yeah. It was, it was fun, but I will say that it was draining because the three years that I was playing for the national team, I, my summers were always cut short. And, you know, we, we don't really get long summers as it is, spend two months of the year in the States. So just, I, I was, I had enough of that missing out on my summers and, and now I'm married, you know, that time has to go to quality time with right. the missus now. So, so speaking of that, speaking of those, a few of those hurdles you just mentioned of being an overseas player, what are some misconceptions or, you know, when, when someone asks you a question of, uh, Scotty, you're, you're overseas, why aren't you playing in the NBA or why, are you why don't you decide to come back here? Uh, you know, what are, what are some misconceptions of the, a normal American person that doesn't know about European basketball that you hear all the time and that you're, you know, would like to break down for people to understand? One misconception, and this is what I'll say to the people who say, why aren't you in the NBA? There's a lot of players in the NBA that are worse than a lot of players in EuroLeague. And that might, you probably, you know that, but to somebody who doesn't know, that might come as a shock. But I've seen so many players come from the NBA and be terrible here. Like, not, I'm not saying, oh, they, they just left the NBA because they weren't good. And they then, so they, people will think that, oh, they come over here and then they start killing because I was already in the NBA, so I'm better than every, everybody here. It's not like that. It's, it's a different game. You have to, I would say you have to be a little smarter to be able to score the same type of baskets because of the different rules with spacing and you can be in the key. There's no three seconds on defense. So you have to be a little bit smarter and you can't just make a move and beat your player. You have to make a move, beat your player, beat the help and, you know, be able to find the right pass or to finish after you beat the second help. So it's, it's just, there's a lot of good players in Europe. I, I mean, I could think of, at least 10 right now that could definitely play in the NBA and get valuable minutes. I honestly think that the 2017 Fenerbahce team that won, uh, ended up winning EuroLeague, I think they had, they, they could beat an NBA team. I think they, they actually, sure. had, they had the talent. They could beat a number of teams. Yeah, Ekebe Udo was unbelievable. He had a triple-double uh, <laughs> the semifinal game <laughs> for yeah. that. But, um, also, I wanted to uh, – you have a – last season, you have a guy that's coming up into this upcoming NBA draft, uh, Denny Avdia. Is that the correct way to say his name? Yeah, Denny Avdia. Thank you, sir. Uh, could you please tell us a little bit about him and, and, and your thoughts of him going into the NBA? I mean, it's had to be pretty cool because he had, he's had a, in a situation where he's – going into the NBA for a potential top pick. And also he has former NBA players on his team that can help 
help him show the ropes yeah. and prepare him mentally for what he's he's going to be enduring. Yeah, uh, I actually he was at our practice today. He's he's here right now, uh, so I saw him today. But yeah, it was uh, interesting because uh, when I first came to Maccabi, uh, he was that was two years ago. Uh, so he was 18, 18. Yeah, he's 19 now. And when I first got here, they were like, I was meeting everybody and they were like, oh yeah, that, that kid right there, he, he's going to be a lottery pick. And I was like, oh wow, lottery pick. That's not every day that you get to play with a future lottery pick. And I was, I spent, you know, more days with him. And after like preseason, I was like, really? He's a lottery pick? Huh, Okay. I, I didn't really see it, you know, but again, it was, he had a whole two years until he got drafted. So I was like, okay, you know, he, he's still young. The second year, my second year at Maccabi, when I came back after the off season, I was blown away by how much better he had gotten in every of the game, uh, mentally, physically, he had grown. <laughs> he had gotten taller and stronger. His uh, three-point shot was more consistent, and he was just—he was like looking like a baller. And so I was yeah. like, "Okay, I, I see it now." And then he—he—he he, he really has a great work ethic. So throughout the year, he—he he kept getting better. And once we we had uh, a break for coronavirus, and then we we actually were one of the only leagues that came back and restarted the season, the Israeli league. And he was probably, he was for sure one of our best players in, uh, in that time period. And I was like, okay, yeah, he's, he's a lottery pick. I'm convinced right. he's a lottery right. pick and he's going to be an NBA player for many years. So, I mean, yeah, I actually was talking to coach Donovan about him, giving him the rundown. And I had nothing but good things to say about him. That's awesome. You know, it's it's so interesting because you you know we we go from from college and then we come to Europe, and I know you can from what I've experienced, the player development is lacking, especially on a professional level, which really surprised me. Uh, my I was I was really appalled that the first team my sixth year out uh, as a pro was the first team that had a shooting gun. Uh, I couldn't. I couldn't believe that. Like that's that's like a staple for every team to have a shooting gun. But it's just it's just awesome to hear that he was able to continue to develop because I know it, it is very difficult. Sometimes you got to drag coaches like, "Hey, can we get some extra work in?" Or like like not just this basic you know mumbo jumbo. Like, of course I want to help the team. Yeah. Back, but if I get at my one percent every day, it's going to in, in tune help the whole team um, get better as a whole. Um, so Scotty Wilbekin. You've been married for a little bit over a year now. Um, yeah. How being married impacted you in your basketball life? Having having yeah. your wife Maria Wilkinson by your side, how it helps you? How has she helped support you and just the way that you approach uh, being professional and everything now? Uh, well, for one, it's great living with your number one fan. So after every game, whether I play good or bad, 
actually no that's that's a lie if i play oh. bad she tells me she tells me <laughs> well the good thing is that's not that common so usually she's like hey hey, hey you play great give me a little kiss on the cheek but uh anyways but really a, a huge way that she helps me is uh my diet she's an amazing cook and so i'm always eating good and you know for a single guy living in europe sometimes it can be hard you know you either have to cook every day or you're you're ordering food and it's just kind of tiring so ha having her and she's not always cooking it's not like she's slaving away cooking every meal but when she does decide to throw down woof, it's great you can, yeah, yeah I, I guess you, you, you might see on Instagram a little bit some of the dishes. I need, I need to, I'll, I'm definitely gonna peek for sure. Um, because I remember my man Scotty would eat steak and mashed potatoes every single day in college. <laughs> there was no diversity, there was no variety, it was steak and mashed potatoes. <laughs> Nothing green on my plate. Are, are, are you doing a little bit of a better job with the vegetables now? A little bit, yes. Yes. What about drinking water? Um, we, we all remember that you had a few cramping issues. Uh. <laughs> yeah, I, I still have those. I haven't cramped this season yet, though. I haven't cramped this season. Yeah. That's but that's still, that's still a constant battle for me, drinking enough water. Come on, man. <laughs> you're 70% you're of it. You got to keep it going, man. There you go. How did, uh, how did you and Maria spend time uh, during the lockdown just to keep things like fresh and, you know, not get tired of each other and I want to kill each other and, and uh, whatever. I mean, we, we, uh, we decided to both commit to a game called Rocket League. It's a video game. Have you ever, okay. have you ever heard of it? So we, we, you know, she, I'm a video game player. She didn't play video games until she met me. But she would, like, play kind of like, oh, I'll, I'll play this, yeah, every now and then. And I was like, you know, since who knows when we're going to be able to go out to eat on a date or something, do you want to, like, take this seriously and try to, like, climb up the ranks and get good at Rocket League? She was like, yeah. And so now that's kind of – that's one of our – Hobbies, I guess you could say. We play Rocket League together. I love that. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, Scotty, um, got a few more questions here. We're going up in the closing. You know, you you are one of the top players, top point guards in Europe. Um, you have very well for yourself financially. Uh, you you have a home in Orlando. Um, you're in a pretty good location team wise. What are your goals here for the last few years of your career? Uh, how are you motivated towards those? Well, I would love to win a EuroLeague championship. I've won a Euro Cup. I've won league, Israeli League championship. I would love to win a EuroLeague championship. That would be, you know, you'll always be remembered in Europe if you, if you win a EuroLeague championship. But uh, also, you know, I would say just as important as that, just to keep on grinding because it is a grind. It's fun, you know. It's a good, it's a good life playing basketball for a living, but it's still a grind 
living away from your home country for 10 months out of the year and only seeing your extended family, like parents, brothers, uh, two months out of the year, it's tough. So my biggest goal is to finish the grind uh, and have something set up nice for my family and move into the next phase of life comfortably and, and smoothly with no injuries. Yeah. You know? Well, that, that's, that's a perfect transition to the last question of the day, brother. What do you want to do after ball? Have you, have you thought about that yet exactly? Maybe just take some time. Uh, I, the man well, I'm definitely going to take some time at first, but I, I have a few things that I might be interested in. One is uh, real estate. Uh, I already have little little somethings with that uh, rent, little rental property. I'm trying to, you know, figure it out. And also, uh, maybe I used to want to be a coach. For a long time, I wanted to be a coach. And probably in college, that's what I wanted to do after I finished. But I got to say, being over overseas for 10 months out of the year is kind of drain that out of me and you know seeing these coaches and what they have to deal with with players just not listening to what they say <laughs> it's 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 got to be tough and I don't know if I don't know if I want to do that but I I would like to stay around basketball so I've thought about maybe working kids out like I have I didn't do it this last summer but most most of the summer since I've uh graduated I've done a camp in Gainesville and working with the kids is is fun so I could see myself working out kids trying to you know teach them things that I wish I would have known at a younger age yeah other than that, uh, yeah uh, keep the uh, very similar where uh you know, he's training kids on the weekends and also pouring into their lives. That looks like something I would be more than happy to help you with uh, and jump in and, and whatever you got going on in the summer. Because, yeah, as you said, bro, it's you, you're so blessed and fortunate to have your wife with you um, and to have that relationship to help keep you going throughout the year. But it's tough, man. It's tough being out for so long uh, away from the family, uh-huh. missing holidays, um, the Fortunately, the money is good and the life is good and you get opportunity to play some really good competitive basketball. But again, it is a grind. It is a grind. But I'm so thankful um, to get you to watch you grow and continue to do your thing, man. It's been an honor and a blessing to have you for an hour tonight. Um, The fans are going to love to hear about you, my man. Um, Yeah. And this was the episode of Patrick Young versus with the one and only Scotty Will Buckets. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, appreciate it, bro. It was, it was good. Thank you guys so much for tuning in and listening to the show. I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you to Scotty Wilbekin, my former teammate. So great being able to catch a, reminisce and catch up with him. Everyone, please, again, like, subscribe, rate, review, and share. You can find this podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Patrick Young, the number four as well as the field of 68 media network at the field of 68.com uh, as well as that same Twitter handle next week. We're going to have an awesome guest. One that has a lot to say about this upcoming season. 
not only things to say, but he's going to have a big impact. I can't wait for you guys to see who it is. Without further ado, I got to go. Gator Nation, stay rowdy. <laughs>